Hello from wherever in the world you're joining us. Thank you so much for listening to Conversations with Terry Ann. I'm actually on the way to the airport with an amazing <laughs> lady that I met on a recent um, trip to Zambia. And she has become one of my newest and closest um, friends. It's just fascinating how you meet somebody and you have no idea why you suddenly become close. So um, Ruveneko Parirenyatwa is a broadcast journalist from Zimbabwe and she's been in Kenya this week. Mm-hmm. Shall we start there? Yes, let's begin there. Landed on Monday, my first time in Nairobi. Um, I had so much that I thought it would be like, but it surprised me in interesting ways. Some was a bit of a letdown, like your roads, <laughs> <laughs> um, but some of it was good. Um, the people, you know, the conversation, the networks, the connectivity I've made, even the interview I actually came here for, and then also being able to stay with you, Terry Ann, and meeting your family, and mm-hmm. that was that was like it felt like home. I mean, you you are really a fascinating person, and I remember thinking that um, Tuesday when I was coming to pick you up and then a friend of mine calls me and she's a producer in a media house and she's like do you know anybody in Westlands or 14 Riverside yeah Um, there seems to have been a terror attack there and you were going through the same motions at the same time because you could hear everything from where you were how was that like for you to be honest, I, I don't know yet. I don't think I've compartmentalized those feelings yet because it's just too strange. Um, at 3.30 when it actually happened, we were sitting in the restaurant having lunch. So um, nobody really paid attention because you now the restaurant would have had been playing background music and all of that. Only in the evening, because remember there was gunshots throughout the night as they were trying to neutralize the terrorists. So only in the evening when I heard the gunshots when I was alone in my room, did I have a moment of genuine fear because it's the fear of that unknown and and an attack like that is so foreign to someone like me who lives in Zimbabwe Mm -hmm. granted right now my own country is upside down you know with its own type of terrorist you know movements going on but it's not on this scale it is not Al-Shabaab and when we watch the news from Zimbabwe and we hear about Al-Shabaab we hear about Al-Qaeda you know it's not something that we ever think will be anywhere near we and just you were, say, and you were what one and a half kilometers away. One and a half away. kilometers away, Tyrion. How did your family take it? My family that night, you know, panicked because they that time remember Zimbabwe had shut down the internet, so now they were panicking about me. I was panicking about them, so we could not communicate. My father tried to call me because I put back my my local line from Zimbabwe so I could be roaming, um, and um, I couldn't dial out for some reason. But my dad kept trying to call me and it kept dropping. So we didn't speak. And I know for the first time when we eventually spoke, I was at your house the next day. So just not being able to hear a familiar voice and just being able to put yourself to sleep and to pray about it and to say, God, whatever's going on, let it not harm me. It was just strange. It was a new feeling. I didn't know what to think. Even now, I think I'm going to feel different when I get home. I might see my mom and just cry. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I, I don't oh know. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So what what have you... I mean, it's it's been a difficult time, of course, to be in Kenya with everything that's going on. Um, but what stood out for you the most? What did you like about, about this country? I think what I liked about Nairobi was the pace. Um, you know, you complain about your traffic. 
Um, I'm complaining about your roads. Um, but I feel like it's a sign <laughs> Our roads of, are good. Well, the one we're on right now is pretty mighty fine. <laughs> That's my better road. <laughs> Compared to, you know, down in the suburbs of some of them. But look, yeah. I think the, the busyness, the traffic, the, the development is a sign of movement. Mm-hmm. And I hope that it is rapid. I say this as a foreigner. I don't know that if I come back in three months' time, the same bad roads will still be bad. It would be unfortunate <laughs> if they are. But in any... Do you know the interesting thing yeah. is that... Um, as we were having the discussion with um, Valentine earlier, um, Nairobi is a city under construction. You know, we're co- it's constantly growing. So with all these constructions going on, then the roads around those construction sites, for some reason, mm-hmm. get messed up. So, well, that's another ah, thing because they're they're also old roads. They need to be uh, redone. But it's it's there's so much development going okay. on. Okay. And as Valentine said, if I if I may just defend my city for one for okay. <laughs> for a little bit. Yeah that dirt and dust is a, is, is, is a sign of development. Of movement and development. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I also liked um, was the fact that people always say Africans, especially Zimbabweans, need to travel the continent to appreciate their motherland more. Um, as a Zimbabwean, you know what we've been through and we criticize our own government so much and we say, were we supposed to go there? No, I thought we were. Okay. I thought we got lost. <laughs> no, we're on the right track. All right. You know, I yeah. can't miss my flight, girl. No. Um, so, um, <laughs> so we criticize our government so much. Um, and I mean, I thought Zim was bad, and it is in a lot of ways. We've got a long way to go. But seeing another country, a country that's like Kenya, which has given so much credit and, you know, applauded so much even internationally as one of the progressive ones. I was like, you know, Zimbabweans complain, but we're not the worst of it. You know, even like I'm saying something as small as the roads. You know, people think that in Zimbabwe is the only place you find a pothole. I mean, really, guys? I know, I know. know. I've been to Ethiopia, I've been to Zambia, I've seen bad roads, you know? Exactly. And I've been to Harare. It's a beautiful city. Your roads are a lot wider than most African countries. Mm -hmm. They're, you know, like, lined with beautiful jacaranda trees. So Harare is is beautiful. Tell me, though, have you kept in touch just to find out what's happening on the ground? What are people saying? Is it getting better in Zim? The most apt summary I received today was from one of my friends, and I'll read it to you now. Because obviously, they're on and off uh, the internet intermittently it's very unstable they sort of are switching them on and off um, I guess maybe for people's sanity so I don't know how long this on and off will last mm-hmm. one of my friends today said because I said listen I'm flying back tonight I just want to know what's going on on the ground so he says people in the ghetto looted and burnt private and state property they got beaten up indiscriminately security is on high alert and those hotspots the state apparatus has been unleashed and is cracking down on the civilians regardless of involvement because for the first time ever cops were killed by zimbabweans the army is divided some support the stay away some are beating people up Oh my goodness! Okay. So this is yeah. So that was my. How, friend do, how does that yeah. make you feel as a as a journalist and and as a Zimbabwean? Oh, as a journalist, I mean, obviously, much like November 2017, you you need to be on the ground and cover such an important part of our history, because um, for Zimbabwe, you know, when you look at 1980, then you look at 2001 with the farm invasions, then you look at 2006, seven, eight with the hyperinflation. And then you look at um, the 2008 elections, you look at the 2013 elections, and then you look at where we are now. 
these are key moments in our history that if you ever wrote a timeline you know and marked the dates in bold those sort of things would stand out and i'm talking about from my lifetime and what i remember obviously 1980 i wasn't even an idea but you know from you know <laughs> 2000 onwards now you're making me feel you know i'm just saying you know um so so for for me as a journalist i'm like damn you know i wish i was on the ground not to say i would even have been brave enough to go and cover a story because of how um, divided people are just like I read that message from my friend you don't know and right now I'm unemployed in terms of I work for myself mm -hmm. so it's not like I have the support of security detail to go with me to cover a story mm -hmm, I've true. got to go as an independent freelance in my own car use my own equipment with my own platforms and then cover a story mm -hmm. will I have the capacity to do that when I get home I don't know but I have to try because that's my mandate. I got attacked by people on Twitter, Tyrion, two days ago, mm -hmm. because I then went on Twitter and I put a quote about what your president, Uhuru Kenyatta, said mm -hmm. um, about, about the, the attack. And it was impressive, you know, and I think to be fair, you must be commended for the uh, rapid response that you guys uh, made to this attack. Mm -hmm. Within less than 12 hours, these terror, well, not 12, maybe let's call less than 24 hours, these terrorists were all neutralized. Um, and you know people was rescued granted it's sad that there was still loss of life but you acted so quickly and your president came out so quickly and spoke our president hasn't said anything so I quoted Kenyatta I said you know kudos to him you know 16 lives lost unfortunately but you know evacuated people etc etc you know um, God pray for Kenya whatever and then people in Zimbabwe were like no Ravenical this is nonsense charity begins at home as a journalist and one of the people we expect to hear information about Zim from how dare you go and write about Kenya write about your own country what is this nonsense and how they you, went how did you feel about that you know two ways one I was I was heavily burdened by a responsibility that perhaps I've taken lightly. That if I tweet at such a crucial time in Zimbabwe's history, my fellow Zimbabweans are expecting something from me in terms of information, in terms of a position, you know, because in a lot of ways I was a youth activist, you know, and so they look at it as, okay, Ravenical, what are you saying? Because they can't get information, so they expect me, by some miracle, to be able to get information and also be able to share it. So they were disappointed. So how did you respond to that? So how I responded is I wrote a tweet back, because number two, um, my second feeling was also just offended. Because they didn't have context. And that's not their fault, it's I hadn't tweeted about arriving in Kenya at all. Because I landed, then the very next day there was a terrorist attack. So I'd also been off Twitter just in my own emotions, as a person, not as a journalist. So when I then responded to the tweet, I said something like, look, those who are offended about me tweeting about Kenyatta, number one, our own Emerson Mnangagwa has not said anything about what's going on in Zimbabwe, so I can't quote him yet. Number two, I was 1.5 kilometers away from um, Dusit Hotel, so I'm sensitive to what's happening in Nairobi because that's where I am. I hope the context provides clarity. Then I did a second tweet saying, not to take for granted the responsibility you've bestowed on me as a journalist. When I get back home, I hope I have more to share. Mm -hmm. You know. So what do you plan to do when you get back home in terms of, of what's going on? And I guess just for context, it's, um, it's important to let our view, uh, I mean, our audience know exactly what's happening. So um, context, sure. Context. So last week. So last, no, no, two weeks, two weeks ago, ago. Um, the president uh, of Zimbabwe, Mr. Munangagwa, the one who um, ousted Robert Mugabe and took over in 2017, he um, announced uh, increase in fuel by over 100%, right? Mm -hmm. So from, um, from what to what in terms so of So from about, I think it was about $1.60 
to like three dollars something mm -hmm. you know i don't know the exact three dollars i don't know per so liter per of liter and a fuel of, of petrol and diesel right um so but obviously respectively a difference of about 40 cents depending on diesel or petrol so um so he announces this and it was a big announcement uh terry ann because as journalists we we're all given the heads up go to state house right now president is giving an important announcement nobody knew what it was um, you know, in a crisis of, of, of the crisis we've been in for the past couple of weeks, we just thought, you know, it better be good. But unfortunately, it was bad news. So it goes on the national broadcast. It was quite late, you know, around this time, even maybe 9 p.m. Mm. The whole entire president comes out and tells the nation of Zimbabwe that there's going to be an increase in fuel effective from midnight. Effective wow. from midnight, Tyrion. Oh my goodness. And you and know, I mean, with the economy, yeah. the minute and, and fuel goes up, everything, everything goes up. The trickle down up. effect is it's real. It's humongous. So that's the context. And so that's now, everything that's food. Oh, it's everything. It's everything. Production, the farmers. It was just a mess. So in the end, then, so um, Zimbabweans, then through all the activists and all the you know lawyers and all the you know all the people that are just anti this kind of announcement and this movement then mobilized and said hashtag shut down zimbabwe 2019 mm -hmm. let us all protest against this decision by government it is unconstitutional it's unfair and we just cannot afford it has the government tried to justify why they why they i mean in, not rise. in a direct way no i mean the president in his speech said look you know a lot of things have to sort of you know ad adapt to the times and we'll all adjust to the new prices you know that kind of thing um sorry just before mm. we um you will have to get out because of the security check. i have to get out of the car you have to get out of the car and go through that um are you kidding me are you kidding me? No. <laughs> All of us? Me as no, a passenger? You, yeah, as a passenger. So only the driver stays in the car. And then uh, hey, we, I get through here. Welcome and to then Nairobi. I'll wait for you ov over there. But I'll probably keep it running and then I'll edit it out. <gasps> I know. Oh, so yeah, yeah. I mean, oh gosh. I, I mean, I, I, I feel... I don't know. I've got mixed feelings about um, about this this visit of yours. Mm. One, because... Um, it's your first time, so this was supposed to be an amazing trip for you. Yeah. You know, explore Nairobi. Um, you have, you know, thought of looking at. Could there just be opportunities, you know, here as well? So yeah. there's, I guess it, this it's a, it's a thin line of everything. Yeah, it was you know? very How bittersweet. I mean, look, I, I think because the novelty of it being my first time in Nairobi was still there. And not too much was taken away. Mm -hmm. The terrorist attack obviously was traumatic, mm -hmm. um, but it was good that, to be very honest, Terry, and I'm not just saying this because it's you, but I think coming into your home the very next day, it, it simmered a lot of my anxiety mm -hmm. because your mother was visiting you, you know, from from her home. So she was home with you this week, and there's something about seeing any mother. It's almost as you know yeah, how Africans true. are. Mm -hmm. Women mom is speak mom. the same language or not? Mom is mom. mom she is made mom. me chapati, yeah. you know, oh, yes, and we just that. sat home and we talked. We didn't yeah. even like do much, you know, and we yeah. just sat at home. And for me, that's what I needed because it's just that human connection of people who actually are caring that have opened their home to you mm. far away from Riverside. Mm. Um, yeah. And also just, yeah, just being at, at a home. So that definitely helped me a lot, but it doesn't take away the fact that you could feel the nation was grieving. Mm. You could feel it. Yeah, that's true. All my other friends or people, and I won't call them friends, but acquaintances, people I knew who I meant to meet up with in Nairobi, mm. everyone had kind of recoiled a little bit. So it wasn't the busy busy trip I anticipated but I know what I took from this trip there's pockets of certain things that I took from this week-long visit and it yeah. was perfect would you would you share some of that if you don't mind 
No, it was more my interactions. I think, you know, yeah. in terms of my industry, our industry, you know, mm -hmm. media, the people I got to meet, the conversations we had, and even the possibility of collaborations. I just feel at this stage, and especially by 2019, you are not African if you are not Pan-African. So wow, it was nice to be profound. able... It was nice to be able to connect. It was. Yeah. So I enjoyed that part. So what does 2019 look for you, though? I don't know. What do you think? A week ago, I felt differently, but like a perspective, Terry. And as a mm. spiritual being, I'm thinking you come with so many plans and preconceived notions, but God can just have other plans. Absolutely. So, but to be fair, I mean, it's a year of restoration for me because a lot was taken from me in 2018. And I sort of got what into do you the mean December season. Well, my career, my job, you know, when I got fired because of, you know, a controversial program, you know, in July. So there's so much that, you know, uh, you know, and even on a personal level, you just feel like almost a victim. By the time New Year's came, I felt like a victim. Oh, 2018 was awful to me. But I'm already at the stage of it's my year to restore and it's not no longer my season to complain and, and be like, oh, this and this happened to me. So I'm in a very active, ready position to take over my space again. Um, and I think it'll be much bigger than Harare, to be honest. Oh, wow. That, yeah. that, that, that's profound. Um, I guess just from your journey and what happened last year, there's a lot of um, young women in our space. I mean, I lost my job as well in, in 2016. I was declared redundant. Wow. Um, you probably didn't know about that. No. No. Yeah. So I did. I was declared redundant in 2000, 2016. Uh -huh. uh, but I had to pick my, you know, I had to pick myself up immediately and just move. Mm -hmm. And in our industry, well, at least in this country, there's been a lot of that. There's been a lot of uh, job losses because of um, migration to digital, um, internet penetration, and, and what that has meant for traditional media. So a lot of people have ended up losing their jobs. And just thinking from an entrepreneurship perspective, mm -hmm. where do you see you know yourself, and and perhaps in that sense, which uh, do you know what terminal you're going to? I have no idea. I've never which seen. aircraft are you using? KQ. Oh, terminal one. Okay, okay. we're good. So um, you know what what sort of thoughts do you have around? Um, you know, based on your experience and just being bold enough to be you and to still achieve what you've always wanted to as a broadcast journalist, despite not being in a media house uh, mm -hmm. in Zimbabwe mm -hmm. currently. Mm -hmm. Well, what I'd say is in our industry, you have to find the gap. Um, when, like you, I had to be forced into making a career decision that kept me afloat after being released because, I mean, being fired last year was not the first time I got fired. I got fired in 2016 as well for a similar issue of controversial... Are you just you know, a very guests. controversial journalist? <laughs> um, I don't think so. I think <laughs> I'm a journalist. I think Zimbabwe just is not accepting mm. of my style of work at this stage. It's not ready for that. Okay. And I accept that, you know. I think maybe it's, it's just not the time, you know. But anyway, so I think what is important is to find the gap with the world going digital mm -hmm. with the desperate need for content on yeah. the African continent you look at Netflix you look at DSTV um, there's not enough of our content there that's, that's so whether true. we are lazy whether we're not creative I don't know what it is but as Africans we need to do a bit better so we've got that um, challenge where we just need to do a bit better. So I think uh, entrepreneurship for our industry is so exciting right now. Mm -hmm. It is so, so vibrant. There's so many opportunities and we just need to collaborate. We need to collaborate. I should not be a Zimbabwean living in Harare creating content for Harare. Mm -hmm. I should be a Zimbabwean living in Africa creating content for Africa. Africa. You know, if I speak with you, 
and we decide to collaborate and we join one of your key companies here, one of mm-hmm. our key companies in Harare, mm-hmm. and we put together content. Doesn't have to have your face or mine on it, mm-hmm. but just something that'll make money. Then we're talking. Yeah. So I think entrepreneurship is about finding a gap all the time. Wow. All the time. Dead. Like in Zim now, I mean, there's people that are selling fuel in the most creative ways, mm-hmm. but that's what it is about. You've raised an interesting issue about who controls a narrative mm-hmm. and what role do we have to play mm-hmm. in ensuring that the African story is told in the yes. way it's you know in it the should way that be it told. Is. Yeah. Well, okay. So anyway, we're at the airport now. We so maybe are. to final words. <laughs> <laughs> Some final words. Final words. Um, I'll be back to Yay. Nairobi in mm-hmm. whatever capacity. I'm not sure yet. I don't know what God is up to. So when you say what does 2019 hold? I've just surrendered, Tyrion, that sometimes God knows what he's doing and we just need to trust that process. Um, I don't know the answers. I will see and I trust him that he is in full control. In full control. Mm-hmm. Right now, I, I need to get home to my king. Yes. Oh, I love that. I love that. Ruby, thank you so much yes. for for making time to chat with me on Conversations with Tyrion. Absolutely. I, I basically set up this podcast because I felt um, that, you know, I, I've my passion and my commitment is to have conversations that make an impact in somebody's life Mm. and from the first moment I met you I just knew that I needed you in my life I don't know why we'll I probably will figure it out at some point but I think you're you're so passionate about what you do you're so authentic and I wish you all the very best. Thank and I hope you come back to Nairobi soon. Thank you, Tyrion. So thank we, you. We've been chatting. This has been great. I, I really want to thank you for hosting me. I just want to tell everybody she's a fantastic host. I'll give away her address, but she'll treat me. <laughs> okay, because her mom makes killer chapati and she has the most warm home environment. I want to thank you for that. Thank it's you. It's not every day that we open our homes to people. I was a stranger until this week in reality because we met once and this is our second time spending proper time together so thank you for that thank you you know for letting me into your space and chat soon and it all right take care take care asante sana karibu (laughs) (laughs) goodbye you've been listening to conversations with (laughs) terry goodbye bye